Well, it's great to see this good number here back tonight and tonight's services. And uh, Brother Dubs has a couple of special treats for us, and we'll get a, a chance to see those in just a, a little while. Looking forward to good services tonight, to hear what the Lord has laid on his heart. I'm going to turn it back over to Brother Norman. This time we're going to have our choir special. is good all the time. He put a song of praise in this heart of mine. God is good all the time. Through the darkest night, His light will shine. God is Care to feel my hurt? 
again. Thank you, Caleb. Again, it's good to see each and every one tonight. Did you know that if you show a kid, if you've ever shown a kid how to skin a squirrel, you're a teacher. If you ever showed them how to tie a fishing knot, you're a teacher. And so all of us are teachers, like he mentioned this morning. All of us share things you know with others. I really enjoyed this morning. Uh, pray that we will be a church that is willing to share what we know. And I know a lot of us have shared how to tie a fishing knot, how to skin a squirrel, how to do whatever. So what do we know? We know Jesus. May we be better at sharing what we know about him and just be willing to try to do that to the best of our abilities. Pray for Brother Dubs Byers and, uh, and pray for him. And he is opening with school teachers this week. So uh, they have opening week this week. He's going to be busy this week like a lot of us. So Brother Dubs, I'm going to get rolling. You come on. I appreciate. Uh, I, I know that this is different maybe a little bit uh, from what your normal revival is. Uh, it is, uh, this is not, I'm in teaching mode tonight, okay? I'm, I love to teach, and um, uh, we're going to be talking about some things tonight, um, uh, and I appreciate that you stretching and allowing, allowing me to do this, allowing uh, your pastor and your church to do this. Uh, we're going to be talking about tonight about uh, teaching strategies that work, uh, earning learning credibility. And uh, I, I'm going I'm to move my flip chart over here. And we're going to get started here. Oh, I got a little puncher, and I got to point it at the projector. You as a church, let's see, I do the, okay, down. You as a church, part of what you do is, part of the Great Commission is teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That's part of what Christ taught you to do. It is your job to teach. Now, why? Why is that? Tell me why. And by the way, when a school teacher asks a question, it's okay to answer. Okay? Why? Why is it your job to teach? All right, the Lord commanded it, and they may learn something, and you're, you're exactly right. Why is it important for this church to teach? All right, to, to make sure that the truth is out there. So you'll carry on. And really... That kind of hits at the crux. You do want the truth. We are commanded to. But we want, we want the truth to be carried on to the next generation. Uh, remember what Christ said, Lo, I'm with you always until the end of the, uh, until the, end of the age. Uh, the church, uh, you know, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Why is that? Because somebody taught you and somebody taught them who taught you and it goes all the way back and y'all, we've got to carry it on. We've got to carry it on. And y'all, and, and this is, we're in challenging times. I, I, I guess everybody can say that. Everybody, 
Every generation could say that, that, that we have challenges. But y'all, we have unique challenges in this generation that no other generation has, has had. Uh, when we look at how small the world is getting, and you know, uh, Allie and I were uh, playing around with our iPhones this afternoon, and we were, we were tweeting, and we were doing all this stuff, you know. And you, it instantly, instantly, I can communicate with, with uh, my buddy down in, in Texas. You know, I, we've never had to deal with that before. Luke chapter uh, uh, 6, verse 40. Uh, okay. All right. A pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone after he has been fully trained will be like his teacher. Now, I'm going to tell you something. It is our job, if you can sum it all up in a nutshell, it is our job to become more like Christ. That, that's, what we're, that's what we're trying to accomplish. As a matter of fact, you know, if I can digress, and by the way, I, I told, I told uh, uh, Trey uh, a little while ago we might get out by midnight. And he said, well, you know, and he kind of gave me permission. He, he kind of said, well, you know, we're, we're actually getting five nights worth of services into basically three services, so it only stands to reason that we ought to go on a little longer, right? But uh, I tell you what... If y'all will hang with me till 7 o'clock or maybe just a few minutes after, okay? Wherever we are, we'll, we'll shut her down then, all right? But um, a lot of times in churches, and, and I know this does not happen in promised land. I know it doesn't. But you got some old codger in church, and he... You know, he doesn't much like anything that goes on, and he's always complaining about maybe the music's too loud or, you know, something's going on. He doesn't like this newfangled. I was thinking about all, that, all, the, all the music that we heard that was recorded, like Caleb sang with and the choir sang with. Ain't Rachel back at Landmark didn't like that canned music. That was canned music. You know who ain't Rachel. You know ain't Rachel. All right? Y'all, we got, we got, but let me tell you something. And, and we, sometimes we have a tendency just to say, well, you know, that's old brother so-and-so, and he's just like that. But let me tell you something. If you don't look more like Christ this year than you did last year, something is wrong. You are supposed to resemble Christ more and more as you go along. So, that's our ultimate goal, is to become more... Now, we're never going to, be, we're never going to accomplish it, but, we're, but it's our goal to constantly work toward becoming more like Christ. Okay? You know, Charlie Brown was practicing archery in the backyard one time, and instead of aiming at the target, what he was doing was he would shoot an arrow at the, at the fence and then walk over to the fence and draw a, um, a target around where he hit, so that it looked like somebody walked in, and he's hit all bullseyes. And uh, Lucy, Lucy came up to him and said, Charlie Brown, why are you doing this? And he replied without any embarrassment, he said, that way I never miss. Well, are we missing in our teaching ministry? 
Are there some things that we need to look at in the church's teaching ministry? Now, and I, I got my trusty flip chart up here, and I want to ask you some questions. Remember, when I ask a question, it's okay to give a response. What, what is the purpose? And we, and we talked a little bit about that earlier, but I, wa- I want you to reiterate. What is the purpose of our teaching ministry? Talk to me. Uh, let me make sure I answer that, ask that question. What are we trying to accomplish? That's the question. What are we trying to accomplish? Somebody talk to me. All right, God's commandments. Reaching the lost. And I know y'all can't read this, but I can. Okay? What else? What are you trying to accomplish with your teaching ministry? Observe, be sure that we observe all things. Okay, what else? Disciple. Discipleship. And you know something I've noticed about these, these things? They don't have spell checks on them. They don't. So, I'm sorry. All right, somebody else said something else. All right, help people grow. What else? Teach the truth. We need to present the truth. Anything else? What are we trying to accomplish? That's our question. What are we trying to accomplish? You've talked about uh, uh, God's commandment, reaching the lost, observe, make sure that we observe all things, discipleship, help grow, uh, uh, present the truth. If you were to sum it all up, somebody, somebody sum up. What's, our, what's, our, what's the overall purpose that we're trying to accomplish? Spread the gospel. Spread the gospel. Spread the gospel. All right? Somebody else, give me an overall purpose. Preserve the truth. So spread the gospel. Preserve the truth. Well, it's important, and, and by the way, I think these are all, these are all worthy uh, purposes or worthy goals. But y'all, it's important. Some, somebody might be sitting back there and say, well, you know, I, I think the most important thing is that you provide something for my kids. It's important for us to be on the same page. It's important for us to all have the same goal. And I, and I have an exercise to go through, but we have way too many people to do that tonight, and I'm not going to go through it. But there's a, we, need to, we need to sit down among ourselves and decide what is our purpose. What are we trying to accomplish? We all need to be on the same page because if we're not, Brother, uh, Brother Michael's got a video here that he's going to show you. Sometimes if, if, if you think the purpose is one thing, and somebody else thinks it's something else, then there could be disastrous results. So, uh, Brother Michael's going to start. This is an old clip. You may not can see it very well. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of uh, uh, grainy, but it, it has a very good purpose. Go ahead. See a guy running.
that good? <laughs> Y'all, we, we, need, we need to have the same purpose, don't we? We need to know, we, we all need to be on the same page. We need to know what we're trying to accomplish. Now, I want, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, and I'm going to let you punch, okay? Uh, by the way, uh, well, I'll just tell you. No, I'll, I'll, I'll give you something here. I'll give you a copy of notes and you can... Karen, did you like that video? <laughs> you know, she laughs a lot. I don't know. If you, you, you got it? All right. First of all, I want to talk about the brilliance of small groups. Now, when I say small groups, you all, you all, uh, it may, it, that may mean different things. It may mean Sunday school classes. It may mean BTC classes. It may mean, it may mean, uh, Bible studies that held, held in somebody's, in somebody's, uh, home. Sunday school is the strategy. Small groups is the principle. Do you understand what I'm saying? There, there are some churches, there are some churches who have basically done away with, with Sunday school and gone to in-home small groups. And we say, well, you know, that's just not quite right. Well, the principle is small groups. So if it's Sunday school, and if, 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 if uh, Promised Land decides that, that Sunday school is the best way to accomplish that, then that's what you need to do. If you, if you say, okay, we, we, we like Sunday school, we like BTC, we like uh, small groups in, in this arena or that arena, fine. That's, that's, that's your choice. But understand that, small gr- that, that, uh, that Sunday school is the strategy, small groups is the principle. So I'm going to be talking about small groups. So whatever setting they're in, this is what we're going to talk about. The beauty of small groups, the beauty of small groups, the beauty of Sunday school, if you will, in small groups, in small groups, you get to know each other. You get to know each other. You become friends. There's friendship development. Y'all, is that not true? Don't you enjoy your, your Sunday school class? Don't you, don't you get to know the people in there and you get to know you know, their families, and you get to know their illnesses. I mean, you, you, you develop friends in small groups. That's, that's the beauty of it. Second, we, need, we tend to migrate toward people with common interests. In other words, you, you, have, you have Sunday school classes that tend to, to attract people of like, of like interest. Now, uh, there's a downside that I'll talk about in just a minute. Third, it's easier to teach in small groups there's more interaction. There needs to be interaction. There doesn't need to be domination by one person or one. Or there does not need to be domination by the teacher. There needs to be interaction for this thing to work group, uh, work right. Large groups are conducive to lecture. I don't know how many of you go to uh, uh, have gone to college before, but I remember when I was at, at Fayetteville, I had two classes. One of them was art appreciation, and boy, I came out of that really appreciating art. And the other one was architecture appreciation, and I really, you know, I came out of there, both of them were kind of duds, 
but we met in the Science Engineering Auditorium, and there were like 300 people in there. There were 300 students. You can't have interaction in a class like that. You have lecture. The beauty of small groups, the beauty of Sunday school, is that you're able to give and take. Christ, while teaching in large groups, tended to favor small groups. Did He not? How many did He usually teach to? Twelve. Twelve. He taught large groups. He would preach to large groups. But when He really got down to teaching, He taught twelve. And maybe even sometimes three. The more, there's more accountability in small groups. If you don't show up in a class with six in it, somebody's going to miss you. There's more accountability. People kind of look after you. People hold you accountable. Now, the downside of small groups. What's the downside of Sunday school? What, what's the downside of Sunday school classes? Y'all, the downside is, is that small groups tend to be closed. They're harder to break into. Uh, we, tend to we tend to kind of get clickish with our Sunday school classes. And we get used to the people who are in there. And, and we're not as, we're not as uh, forward about reaching out to other people and drawing them in. Small groups tend not to want to see uh, new small groups formed. Especially if it takes members away from, from my small group, from my Sunday school class. And, and, and throw the next one up there. Sunday school teachers, small group leaders tend to be very territorial. They tend to, to, to not want anybody to, to mess with their, with their group, with their classroom, with the people in their, in their group. Don't ask, don't ask uh, to move some of my people, some of my students out to put over here to start a new small group. One other thing. Let me, let me just go on and address this too. I remember, I think this was at one of the churches I was interim pastor at. They wanted to start a young women's ministry. A young women's ministry. They wanted to start a small group, a Bible study. I forget now. It was a Bible study, Sunday school class or something that for young women. Do you know what? Do you know what the old, some of the older women, the attitude that they had? Tell me. Can y'all guess? Maybe it won't last. But why don't they just come on in here with us? We've got a ladies' auxiliary. Why don't they just want to come? We've, we've already got, we'd love to have them in here. We'd love to have those young ladies in here. The only problem is the young ladies didn't want to go in that. I'm sorry. You can say, well, that's not right, and maybe they should, but it, that's just the way it is. We, we tend to want to be around and to, and to, and to, to, to fellowship with those of like interest. So I'm saying, I'm really talking to the ones who are my age. 
and older. Y'all, we need, we need to encourage these younger ones. Don't expect them, don't expect them to fit into our mold. You understand what I'm saying? There's a new generation coming up. They, they were raised different. They were raised up with different, uh, with different, uh, uh, technology, with different stuff. Don't expect them to fit in our mold. Now, while I'm, while I'm on that, let me just go and start meddling a little bit more. The Amish got stuck about 1870. The Amish said, we don't, we don't recognize any technology after 1870. Now, I want to ask you, what year did you get stuck in? <laughs> you know, I, I hear sometimes, and, and y'all, I know, I know I'm meddling. I know I am. <laughs> I am getting nosy. But I, I hear computers came out about 1985. You know, I worked for a guy, uh, uh, superintendent of schools back then. When computers came out, I was, I, I was gung-ho. I wanted to get computers in the classroom. You know, they, they came in about in the early 80s, early to mid-80s. And, and uh, I was a principal at a prison school, and I saw the value of those things. Do you know that I worked for a man who thought that computers were a fad? He actually did. He thought computers were a fad. That they were going to, you know, they were going to peek out and then everybody get rid of them. Y'all, technology is here to stay. And even though, even though my generation, maybe your generation, uh, we, we, we were not raised up in it, I'm telling you, these, these, these young people, for us, it's like learning a second language. For me, for you and me to learn a, a uh, computer and technology and iPads and all those kind of... It's like learning a second language. To them, it's a primary language. Now, why, why am I saying all that? Y'all, when young people, when young people go into, into school, when they go, when they go into the places that they go to, they see technology. Technology is used. They're used to it. And y'all, we should be open to it as well. Use it the right way. You, the, Use it the right way. That's, that could be said, that could be said of a Sunday school quarterly. That could be said of anything. You, you've got to use it the right way. You've got to use it for the honor and glory of God. But just like, just like Aunt Rachel didn't like that canned music because she liked somebody playing that piano. But y'all, canned music has added a lot to the music program. All right. I'll quit meddling for a minute. <laughs> the best strategy, the best strategy, if you, want, if you want to grow, if you want to grow your church, if you want to grow your program, if you want to grow your ministry, if you want to grow your outreach, 
the one of the one of the best strategies to use is to to grow and expand small groups, Sunday school classes, BTC classes, Bible studies, whatever. If if you can if you can put if you can put a cell group of people together, two or three or four or five, and let them grow, uh, grow a uh, grow a group, and when it gets up to 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 a certain uh, certain number, then split it and let them. That's the best. That's the best way to grow. You grow big by growing small. All right. Master teaching. How's teaching traditionally done? How's most? I don't. I don't want to say that. Um, a lot of teaching. A lot of teaching is done. Uh, lecture. What's the problem with lecture? Lecture is is too little interna- Lecture is too little interaction with students, too few opportunities for practice, too little expectations from students, and too much dependence on an organized curric- curriculum. I want I want to talk to you for just a few minutes about how some the some of the techniques that Christ used uh, to teach. First of all, Christ always well I won't say always. It was a practice of his to start with the learner's perspective, to, st- to talk from the learner's perspective. Christ used objects in his teachings, did he not? He used objects. He used, he used boats, and he used fish, and he used sheep, and he used water, and he used wine, and he used bread, and he used seeds, and he used grain. He used those things that people were familiar with. What are people familiar with today? What are the things that we can use with, with, with kids, they, they have toys and they have technology and they have, they have, they have, these, they have these, these things that they use. We need, we need to incorporate those when we can. With, with teenagers and, and uh, young uh, students, they use computers and they use videos and they use, have iPads and they have music and they have cell phones. We need to incorporate those in our, in our teaching when we can, to use them as illustrations, to talk about them. Don't, don't, just, uh, don't just say that that's, that's out there. What objects are adults familiar with? We're, we're familiar with sports and we're uh, with, with the professional and work-related things. We need to, we need to talk about those things. Allow, allow learners to discover the truth. Y'all, this is one thing that Christ... There was a time in Matthew chapter 14, verse 31, if you want to... If you want to turn and, and look at it there, Matthew chapter 14, verse 31. I don't have it on the screen here. But what did Christ do? I think this is very significant. What did Christ do when Peter got out of the boat and started walking on water and, and, he, and then he started sinking? What, look over there and, and, and read that. What did Christ do? Did he... And my question is here, did he lecture Peter? Did he start saying, now, Peter, this is your problem. This is, this is where you went wrong. You should have done A, B, C, or D. What did he do? Somebody have it there? He reached out and, and, and then what? Now, he didn't tell him. He asked him. Asked him. Peter, what about your faith? Y'all, we 
need to ask a lot of questions. I don't have all the answers. You know, one time, Jonathan, my youngest son, Jonathan, he's about 16, 17 years old. And he came to me and said, Dad, can I take the car to Little Rock? I said, yeah. Jane said, what are you doing? The boy never has driven in Little Rock. Have you gone? Now, she, she, I'm, I'm animating here a little bit. But have you gone crazy? Letting him take off and go to Little Rock? How's he ever going to learn to drive in Little Rock? If he never drives in Little Rock? Let people ask and let, and, and, and let people experience. Um, people learn best when they discover answers for themselves. There's one of my favorite sayings, and this is attributed to Mark Twain. I don't know, I don't know whether he said it or not, but you know, a lot of stuff's attributed to Mark Twain. But he said, experience is a bad teacher. You get the test before you get the lesson. But y'all... What what is taught us more in life? Somebody telling us or us experiencing it? Next. Take advantage of teachable moments. One time I was doing a I was doing a funeral uh uh I, you know I I was the experienced pastor. I'd done I've done a lot of funerals, you know, I know the I know the, the ins and outs and I was sitting back in the back with this young pastor, and I noticed he was fidgety. And I said, Charles, what's, what's the matter? He said, man, he said, this is the first funeral I've ever done. I'm scared to death. You know what that told me right there? This is a teachable moment. This guy is ready to learn. If I can sit down, and I did, and I sat down, and we talked about some things, and I, talked, I, I, I told him, I said, look, the most important thing uh, to do right now is to, to use this time to minister to the family, to encourage them. And, and I taught him, don't pass up teachable moments. What are, what are some things going on that, uh, that, and by the way, Christ did this. The woman was caught in adultery, and what did Christ do? He said, the one with, without sin, let him cast the first stone. It was a teachable moment. Uh, the storm on the lake in Luke chapter 8. Uh, the paralytic in the synagogue in Matthew chapter 12, he used all of those situations as teachable moments. Christ never hesitated to create a lesson out of what was going on around him. And y'all, sometimes we're tied, we're tied to, the, to the quarterly and we think we can't deviate from it. And y'all, if there's something going on that is a teachable moment in our community or in our state, or in our world, then we ought to take the time to, to seize on that and to teach it. Don't think that we're bound just because we've got, to, we've got the quarterly and we've got it passed out that we're bound to, 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 to go through it. If there's a teachable moment, you need to take it. Next. Provide learners opportunities to practice what they've learned. And y'all, this is, this is something that we, we fail in. We come in 
and we teach Sunday school, or the Sunday school teaches Sunday school, and we never give our students an opportunity to practice what they've learned. You know, I was, I was watching TV, uh, it, it's been several years ago, and, and it was on the news, and, and I saw a, a, a special about this, uh, it was actually a youth group uh, from Conway, Arkansas, who went in, there was this elderly, elderly woman uh, who uh, needed some work done on her house, some remodeling done on her house, and a youth group from a church that I knew about, I knew the youth pastor, and, and, and uh, they, they took that on and they went in and they did the work, they ministered to that woman. I thought, you know, that's what it's about. They're actually going and doing what we teach them to do. Y'all, we need, to, we need to provide. What is your Sunday school class doing? What is your small group doing? Do you take on projects? And, and by the way, I don't know. You may, you may do it. You may be great at this. But do you take on projects? Do you do things? Do you do things outside of class? Do you practice what's being taught? We're to love one another. We're to reach out. And, and some, of you, uh, some of you said um, uh, the, the greatest purpose of our... Uh, of our of our small groups, our Sunday school, our, our teaching ministry is to reach out to the lost, to evangelize. Wh- what better way? What better way than our Sunday school class to reach out to the community? Hey, what do y'all have down here? Armadillo Festival? Is that what? Armadillo Festival? What? What better way? What better way than the Sunday? And you and you may do this already. I don't know. But what better way for a Sunday school class to set up a booth? Is it when is it in the hot summertime? It's in May. It's not too hot. But uh, to set up, a, set up a booth and pass out free bottles of water without expecting anything in return. What, what's wrong with reaching out to your community, to reaching out and, and, and becoming a presence, being salt in your community? Learners should have the opportunity to practice what they've learned. Christ uh, with the rich young ruler, he challenged him to go and to sell all that he had and give to the poor. Christ taught about love, and then, then Christ helped the poor. Don't try to mimic. Don't try to mimic. And I, and I are one of these, okay? But don't try to mimic public schools where you just cram knowledge in. Teach, teach, teach students to think. Teach Biblical principles. Next. Emphasize learning over memorization. How many of y'all ever stayed up late at night memorizing facts for a test the next day? Huh? We've done that, haven't we? Now, here's my next question. Tell me, regurgitate those facts now. Can anybody tell me? I remember one time Russell Kelly and I stayed up all night studying for a, for a geography test. And we went in and we took the geography test the next day and then went back to the dorm and slept through the best meal that Bruff Commons had that year. You know, had a real special day. We slept right through it. What's the deal? Emphasize understanding over memorization. Um... Teach principles. Wisdom. What is wisdom? I'm going to give you my best, my best definition of wisdom. 
Wisdom is skill in living. Got that? Wisdom is skill in living. Does the Bible... Does the Bible teach us how to handle our finances? Does it? This is yes, this is no. Yes, it does. Does does the Bible does the Bible teach us how to get along with people? Yes, it does. The Bible the Bible teaches us all all the principles. And when you teach principles, when you teach principles then uh you teach, you teach people how to apply things in different situations. Uh, a, a lot of people can say, well, you know, this, this guy over here, he's not, uh, he's not skilled and, you know, his personal finances are always in a wreck. What, what are you saying? We're saying that he is not skilled in the principles of finances. You need to, we need to teach principles. We need to teach wisdom principles. All right, next. Beware of the hidden curriculum. Beware of the hidden curriculum. I may have to start meddling here again. And Johnny, we don't do that in church. In church, we sit quietly and we don't fidget and we don't say anything. And you, in church, this is how we act. And the hidden curriculum there is, when we, when we teach that, the hidden curriculum is, is that li- what little Johnny learns is, if I can ever get out of here, if I ever get old enough to get out of here, I'm not gonna come back because they, 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 that doesn't fit me. I've got to move. I've got to say something. I've got to move around. What we think we're teaching, big doses of God's Word and a lengthy sermon, more we string it out there and, and we, we lay it out for a long time. And what, what, what our students may be learning is, if God is as boring and as tedious as this preacher or teacher, count me out. How about those eloquent prayers? Oh, glorious God, maker of the universe, architect of, you know, sounds great. What somebody may be sitting over there, they may be thinking, you know, I'm never going to be able to learn that foreign language that God uses. When children are reminded day after day, year after year, that the most important thing they can do in school is to sit quietly, obey the teacher, and repeat back verbatim what they have been told, they are learning patterns of thinking and uh, and behavior that will stay with them for life. Now, a few things before I close out. Make people think. If If you're a teacher, if you're a leader of a small group, you work with kids in Awana, now that, that it may not be as true in there because that's a very structured program, but if you work, if you work with, with, a, with a small group, any kind of small group, make people think. Christ taught in parables, and we're still trying to figure out, we still, 
we still wonder sometimes the implications of some of those parables. Rarely, rarely did Christ give the answers. Sometimes He asked the questions and just laid them out there. Ask open-ended questions. Ask follow-up questions. And here's 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 a tip, and if you don't get anything else out, you, you remember this. If you ask a question, wait for the answer. Let me tell you what a lot of what a lot of teachers will do, and, I, and it's, it's natural. We ask a question, and then nobody says anything, and we think, "Oh me, they don't know." So let me give it to them. Let me tell you something. I've learned if you ask a question and stay silent long enough, somebody's going to say something. Somebody's going to answer. So don't be afraid of silence. Don't evaluate responses. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one there. That's that's the and then they answer and say, "Well, yeah." Don't evaluate responses. That's interesting. Closing thoughts. Y'all being a teacher is a high calling. Take your job seriously. You need to get here early, and you need to stay as long as it takes. If you're not going to be here, you need to let somebody know. I'm going to tell you what. I've got about a hundred teachers who work for me. You know one of the things I check? They all have to go through biometric. They have to go through a. They have to go through when they go into the institution. They have to put their thumbprint in, and it logs in what time they get there. And do you know I get those logs? Do you know that I fired people for being late for work? Why? Why do we think that the public school business? is more important than God's business. If you take the responsibility of teaching, then you need to take that job seriously. You need to prepare and be there on time and stay there. And if you're not going to be here to let somebody know, I I do, I teach a Sunday school class. I love my Sunday school class. Love it. But I always, if I know my schedule, and I know it several weeks in advance, and I've got somebody lined up. Be a pastor to your group. If, if somebody in your class, somebody in your small group is sick, check on them. Call them. If they don't show up for a couple of weeks, give them a call. Send them a note. If they're doing good, send them a note of encouragement. Pastor them. Realize that you're there for them and not they for you. Closing thought. Hey, I did pretty good. I said seven or a little after. It's two minutes after. Closing thought. And this could be said of anybody. This could be said of, this could be said of adults as well as kids. Kids aren't looking for a perfect teacher. 
you can say, well, you know, I, I don't teach because you don't know, you don't know my background. I don't, ha- I don't have the skill. I don't have the ability. I hadn't been to college. I you can come up with all kinds of reasons. Kids, people aren't looking for a perfect teacher. They're just looking for an honest one. They're, they're looking for one who cares. They're looking for somebody who cares about them moving from point A to point B in their their spiritual journey. That's what they care about. Let's close with prayer. And then I'm going to turn it over to Brother Michael. Father, we come to you tonight. Lord, we're thankful. We're thankful for the time that you've allowed us to have. And God, help us to understand just how important our teaching ministry is here at Promised Land Baptist Church is and how important it is to pass on what you've taught us to the next generation and how important it is for us to realize that, that we're, to, we're to become more and more like Christ and we, we do that in part through the teaching ministry of Promised Land Baptist Church. And God, I, just, I pray for the teachers. I pray for, for everyone who has a, has a part in bringing people along. I pray, Lord, for the for the Awana workers and for the Sunday school teachers and the BTC teachers and the, and, the, and the ones who lead home Bible studies. God, I just pray. I pray for them. I, I pray that you encourage them. I pray that you uh, give, them, give them the ability that they need to do what they need to do. And God, help us. Help us to, to be mindful of just how important it is to pass the faith of our fathers on to our children. God, we love you. We thank you for the privilege that we have. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Brother Michael.